Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Saturday, the 15th of January, 2011. On today's show, we're going to do a little bit of follow-up with what we talked about last week, which was the shooting in Tucson and, more importantly, some of the issues that have been brought up or raised because of that. I've got a couple of voicemails that we received for the show. One was back uh, before the holidays, and I would have played it last week. Unfortunately, uh, I had thought I couldn't find it. I had thought that I had lost it, but I... I uh, was able to retrieve that so I've got uh, those that I'll play. Now speaking of voicemails and contacting me, if you'd like to contact me there's a couple of uh, different ways that you can do that. The easiest way probably would be just to call into the voicemail. That's area code 206-339-3266 and just let me know that you want this played on the uh, Firearms Cafe podcast. I also use that number for uh, the Armed 8 podcast that I do as well. If you want to send me an email uh, with questions or comments, you can do that at firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all going to be one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. You can also leave me a comment or a question if you go to the Gun Rights Radio Network forums and under the Firearms Cafe section for which particular episode, uh, you can go ahead and leave me a comment or a question there. And I try and get back with everybody who sends in stuff. Sometimes it does take me a little bit of time to do that. I do get busy with other things, but I will try and um, get your get a reply back to you. Sometimes with the voicemail, it may take a while for that to get on a particular show. Uh, just because with the voicemail, I don't have any other way to like send you an email or something like that back and, and let you know that I got it. But uh, if you if you haven't heard, if you've sent in a voicemail and you haven't heard it, um, just give me a little bit of time, I will get your stuff on the air. So, again, having uh, said that, talking about the voicemail, let's go ahead and play a couple, and then when we come back, we'll have some discussions uh, about some of the current events. Hey, Tony, this is Tom Stewart from Ferrum, Virginia. I just wanted to call to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. I thoroughly enjoy both of your podcasts, but I especially like the Armed Ape. Um, I really love what the Gun Rights Radio Network does. Uh, keeps me sane and has something to listen to during the day while I'm working. Anyway, again, uh, I really like the shows. Um, I saw on your... Um, I'm losing my brain here. On YouTube, your everyday carry gear. I notice you carry a Glock 17 every day. I'm just curious about exactly how you do that. I know you um, showed the safe packer but it doesn't look really feasible for something I could carry all the time. I'm just curious about what you do that's inside the waistband and particularly what kind of holster you use. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Hey, Tom. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh, I always get a kick out of hearing from you guys, whether by email or whether you do it through voicemail. One of the questions that you had asked was, uh, with the Glock 17, uh, what do I carry that in? And it is a little bit larger gun. Uh, most people would probably choose something maybe a little bit smaller. I like it. Um, where I live in Arizona, out here we're a pretty casual state just because it is so hot during the summertime and, and even you know throughout the winter months it's really not 
uh, that bad, at least down here in the valley. Of course, there are parts in Arizona where, uh, you know, you get up into the uh, higher elevations up into the mountains country, and it's pretty darn cold, and you have to be bundled up. But the uh, reason I'm saying all that is because what I carry is a milk, um, excuse me, a Milt Sparks uh, Summer Special. And uh, it's a very simple holster. It's an inside the waistband. Uh, again, what's nice about inside the waistband is the majority of the firearm is, is going to be covered up by your pants. Um, having said that, though, you still either need to have a pretty baggy shirt on or maybe a, uh, let's say if you're wearing a t-shirt and you need to have maybe another kind of sh a short sleeve shirt or a long sleeve shirt that would go over that depending on kind of the time of year. Um, out here during the summer, you know, most people are in shorts and a t-shirt. Uh, or maybe if it's a button-down shirt, it's untucked uh, and it's going to be short sleeve, so everything is pretty casual. Um, a lot of times with, if you're going to wear a, a t-shirt, if you've got one that's a little baggy, it's going to conceal pretty well. Um, if you've got somebody sort of who's in the know or who is in, involved in gun culture uh, or somebody like a police officer who's kind of maybe used to looking for weapons on people, they may notice that you have something. Most of the time with the type of clothing that I wear, though, you can't really tell. It may look like I've got something, but again, most people wouldn't even know. And for the most part, uh, during the summer months, I tend to wear like a button-down uh, button shirt, uh, the, almost like a, not like a dress shirt, but a, a kind of a casual button-down shirt. And I don't tuck it in, and so what that lets it do is it kind of floats around your, your waist so that there's a kind of like a space in between, you know, like your, your body and the shirt so it hangs around. So it actually conceals quite well. Um, I have carried the, uh, I've got a Glock 26 as well, and I have carried that in that Milk, Milk Sparks holster. Uh, it's designed for the 17, and it stays in pretty well. It's got really good retention. Um, it's, it's all leather, so uh, there's no Kydex or anything like that. Uh, and, and like I said, I like it, and probably 99% of the time, uh, that's what I carry it in. You had mentioned the safe packer. Occasionally, I will use that when we, if we're going out somewhere, or if it was a, a thing where you just were not, you just absolutely weren't going to be able to conceal, and you still wanted to carry something like that. Uh, then that's something like the safe packer that you can use. Um, and I had done a review on it. Um, I've got the one like like Tom had said on the uh, on YouTube. I did an actual like three part review of it where I go over a bunch of stuff. I've also done a review on it on, over on the Armed Ape uh, podcast where I talk about some of the pros and cons of it. Um, the one thing with the Safe Packer, especially with a if you've got a bigger gun with you, um, it is pretty big and bulky. They do make smaller sizes, and so let's say if you have like a twenty six. Or if you were carrying maybe a small uh, J-frame revolver or one of the Ruger um, LCRs, uh, you could have an actual. You know, the actual dimensions of the safe packer would be smaller. And I've noticed, and I can't remember for the life of me who, oh, who who the manufacturer is, but they're basically done a knockoff version of the safe packer, and it's a little cheaper. Uh, and if I can remember. Um, all I can remember is that I saw it. I don't even remember where I saw it. Um, 
but they have kind of a knockoff version of that uh, of that safe packer thing uh, and it's a little bit cheaper I I don't I couldn't say as far as how well the the construction of it is because I've never seen the knockoff version in um, kind of been able to hold one in my hands or never seen one in real life so to speak okay guys unbeknownst to you I went and kind of looked up that was kind of bugging me on um, who had kind of made that that knockoff thing and I think it's a company called Soft Armor. I've got the catalog. It's in the Cabela's catalog. Their uh, 2011 shooting version. And um, let's see. They, they're calling theirs the new trail pack holster. And pretty much, like I said, it, it's pretty much just a direct kind of knockoff of the, um, of the safe packer. Um, and it looks like they have maybe a, uh, let's see, what is it? the price is $49.99. Um, like I said, for the, for the, depending on the size, I think when last I looked over at, uh, on the Safe Packer, and the company that makes it is um, Wilderness Tactical, when last I looked over there, it was about 70 bucks or so. Uh, you know, another thing that I've been thinking about too is I've been wanting to get a good leather holster. Um, I've got a, uh, a Blackhawk Serpa, which is great for the range and stuff. Um, but the way that the holster is set up, and, I, and another thing is I like it for the retention. And so when I go out camping or something like that, if I'm taking that particular firearm with me, I like to have that uh, holster because I've got such good retention with it that if I fall or, or anything like that, or if uh, I was running through the woods, it's not going to it's not going to pop out. It's not going to jump out. It's not going to get snagged on something and come right out. Um, but as far as for concealed carry, it's just it's not that great. And part of the reason is because it it sticks out. Uh, so again, it's much more. And, and they call it the the Serpa version that I have. They call it um, that it, or they say that it's supposed to be designed uh, for concealed carry. I'm kind of stumbling over my words here. Because uh, I'm kind of just doing this off the cuff, but when you wear it, you can conceal it if you have uh, maybe a jacket. But even with that jacket, it still kind of sticks out a little bit. Uh, so one of the reasons I was looking at maybe getting a, a decent leather one, and I was thinking about maybe getting a Galco. I've got um, a Galco holster for some of the other things that I have, and I like them. They're pretty good quality, and they're not astronomically high. Um, if you go to some of these places, let's say like custom holster makers, uh, you know, if you guys go to the gun shows and things like that, you go up to their table and they'll have their stuff out there. And a lot of times it's pretty pricey and you're, you're paying a course for that handmade, uh, and the handmade, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The craftsmanship of it. You're, so you're paying for that artisan's work, the guy who's going to do that stuff for you. And you know, it's probably going to be pretty good. Are the are they going to be better than maybe a Galco holster? I you know I don't know. In some instances, probably yeah. You could probably get a little bit more custom things uh, set up and done. Um, the main thing would be that you would be if you're going to get a custom one. A lot of times, if you're going to get a custom holster, it's pretty much because the gun that you have. There's not a lot of stuff out there for it. Now, with the any any of the Glocks, there's going to be tons of stuff out there for it. 
uh, the same with any type, pretty much any type of 1911. Um, anything that's real popular, there's going to be a lot of stuff out there. Uh, but let's say one of the firearms that I talked about that I had, and I've carried it around a few times, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty big thing. Uh, I've got an FNP uh, 45, which is made by FN, and I really like the gun, um, but it is a big gun. And the holster that I got for that, I've had it for a while, is a, um, a Super Tuck, um, which, which I really like a lot. And it's actually pretty comfortable because it spreads out the weight. The one thing that I, of it, um, the one thing that I wish it did allow you to do was to be able to mount maybe other, uh, other holster. Well, most of you guys are going to know what the Super Tuck is. You've basically got a piece of leather and then the Kydex and then there's clips that hold it on. And then you've got a Kydex piece that is formed to whatever particular gun that you have. On their particular holster design, those that Kydex piece is riveted on there. Um, it kind of flares out and goes. So if you go to their website, you can look at it. There's a, um, another holster company called CompTech, which I almost went with. And the reason I, uh, uh, I was thinking about going with them was, and the reason I didn't was because they didn't have one at the time, I think, for the uh, FMP 45. Um, but they have a thing where theirs are not riveted on it, they're screwed on. And so you can take that particular Kydex piece off, let's say if that's for a, uh, an FNP 45, and then you can, uh, for another, like, let's say $35 or so, then you could get the other piece that would sort of bolt right in onto that holster, and that could fit your Glock 26 or whatever else you happen to have. Uh, and what I was thinking about doing, and I, and I may, uh, and I may, this is kind of getting a little bit more into the Armed Ape podcast, what I kind of do on that show, but I may try and mod, modify the, um, uh, the Super Tuck um, concealment holster that I've got and see if I can't knock out those rivets and maybe get some screws in there and then I'll try and maybe form my own Kydex holster type thing. So that's one thing I've been wanting to try too with it. Uh, but anyway... Most of the stuff that I carry is inside the waistband because it conceals better. Um, the, the way that I dress, though, you, you again, half the battle of being able to conceal something is going to be how you're dressing. So if you're dressing appropriately for that, uh, and depending on, on where you are, is also going to determine what you're going to be able to carry. If I had to be in a, in a corporate world where I was in a suit and tie all the time, I probably would not be able to carry... A, a Glock 17. I would probably go with something smaller, um, maybe like uh, either one of the Ruger, one of their small little pistols, or maybe a um, either their revolver or their uh, their semi-auto that they have. And I would probably go with the revolver, especially now. Uh, in fact, this may be the next gun that I'm going to get. I'm going to have to see what I uh, kind of what I think of it. Is Ruger came out with the LCR? You know, they had it in it was rated for 38 and uh, uh, 38 plus P. And then they also recently came out with one that's 357. It's a little bit heavier, but I looked at them sort of side by side. They're pretty much almost exactly the same side. Um, but it's a little bit heavier. Uh, they both fit into the pocket real well. Uh, but I like, the, I like the one that they came out with now, which is 357 Magnum. 
And people will say, well, you're not going to want to shoot that with 357 Magnums through it all the time. I can shoot, if, if I, the, the reason I like having a 357 is because I can shoot the 38s and I can shoot the 38 plus P's in them. I can shoot them all day and it's not going to do anything for them because it's, it's, it's made and designed to withstand the pressures of that Magnum load. So let's say that if I buy the, uh, the LCR and 357 and I find that, man, I don't, I just don't really like shooting these, these Magnum loads through it, I can still go with the 38s. But I can't do the reverse. If I buy the 38, I can't shoot 357 Magnums through it. So, uh, anyway, uh, that's kind of enough on that. Hopefully, Tom, I didn't, uh, I didn't go off on too much of a tangent, and hopefully, I did answer your question. Um, again, with with the Glock, and if you're going to carry the full size, for me, unless you've got a cover garment, you're almost going to have to go with an inside the waistband. Uh, it's it's pretty comfortable. Anyway, that's my uh, long rambling explanation of that. So, Tom, I hope that uh, answered some of your questions and hope that helped you out a little bit. All right, let's go ahead and play the next bit of feedback that we got. Hey, Tony, it's Brad from West Michigan. I just wanted to call, give a heads up to those people who are like me um, who shoot 40 Smith & Wesson um, and are looking for a good personal defense carry load. Uh, Cabela's has and has had at least for a couple weeks now and i just thought of calling you about this but they've got a special buy uh if you go to their website um they call i think they're calling it a special buy ammo it's winchester um jacketed hollow point uh it's bonded jacketed hollow point it's basically a white box it's an overstock item from winchester i contacted winchester and basically it's an um from what I was told by them, it's a law enforcement overrun. Uh, it's very much like um, the, the uh, Winchester uh, Supreme Elite uh, PDX-1 load. Uh, in fact, the round, the PDX-1 is something I've shot quite a bit of. The round looks a lot like, um, looks a, lot like a PDX-1 to me. Um, I've not noticed much of a difference at all between the two. Um, the great part about it, is it's uh, $19.99 a box for 50 uh, online. And I picked up some at the local Cabela's. Well, it's kind of local. It's two hours away. But in the store, it was $21.99, which was still a great price because I'm paying in my area here um, about $23 to $25 a box of 20 for the PDX load. So at not 20 bucks roughly for 50 this is a steal. Um, it's the Winchester bonded jacket at hollow point. comes in like a white generic box. Um, I think the SKU from Winchester is Q4369. And like I said, if you go on uh, Cabela's website and do a search for Winchester um, special buy or Winchester JHP bonded, um, you'll definitely find it. And uh, at 20 bucks a box, it's a bargain for 50 a box. So. Just a suggestion I wanted to point uh, point on for those guys who are like me and shoot 40 Smith & Wesson. Always looking for a really good personal defense carry load at a reasonable price. Thanks, Tony. Love the show. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Brad. Thanks for sending that stuff in. Um, Brad had sent this in a while back. Uh, I don't know if, if Cabela's is still doing that particular sale, but I did want to play it because I thought it was some good information. Uh, especially, you know, the 
the white box stuff, a lot of times people kind of give it a bad rap. I've shot tons of the stuff in 9mm and 45. Um, I've never had a problem with any of it. Uh, I've even shot some in uh, uh, 5.56. So, and like I said, everyone that I've ever had has worked just fine. Uh, I've never had like a dud or had it really start to jam up or gunk up any of the any of the guns that I've fired this stuff through. Uh, but again, I did want to play that even if they're, even if Cabela's isn't doing it because Brad does give us some good information. I don't um, have anything in 40 caliber. Um, but if you're a guy that does shoot 40, it's some good stuff to know that you could get basically the same thing. And, he, you know, it's not like he's just saying, oh, you know, to me it seems like it's the thing, same thing. He got the information kind of straight from the horse's mouth. So I did want to... Uh, Play that and include that for you 40 cal guys out there. Alright, let's go ahead and hear uh, our next bit of feedback. Hey Tony, this is Carson from Canada. I just finished listening to episode 48 of Firearms Cafe. Uh, and I'm going to have to call you out on something. You were a bit inaccurate in the way that you interpreted uh, the Pima County Sheriff's comments. He wasn't calling for any regulation on speech. What he was pointing out was a very valid point that people need to consider how they approach their conversations, especially their political conversations. Something that concerns me is watching the situation in the United States and people are getting farther and well, it, it seems the way the mainstream media is doing things, it's pushing the debates to farther and farther extremes. Not unlike what happened in Nazi Germany just before Hitler got elected. And that's one thing that concerns me. It's not necessarily Obama and what he's going to do. It might be the person after Obama or the person after that person as it gets more and as the political situation gets more and more polarized. So, saying that people should consider their tone and should, you know, tone down the vitriol and, uh, and basically some of the hate and stuff like that when they're talking about these things isn't isn't an unfair thing to say. It's it's very fair to say because it's concerning on many levels, not just on this. But if people don't manage to rein in their speech and their emotions on on politics, I really fear for where the United States is going to wind up, because it can only screw people over that much hate. And I'm not saying that's the cause of this situation. Who knows? Maybe this guy had gotten in an intense political debate with someone just a little bit before them found out that that situation was going on. Maybe that's what happened. Happened. Who knows? I mean, I agree with you. We can't legislate crazy, but all the same, if we want to try and be viewed as the responsible gun-owning people, public, we do need to support rationality and reasonable conversation. So I, I do take quite the issue with him singling Arizona out as the mecca of vitriol in the United States. I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair to say that about any one place. Because, let's face it, it's happening all over the United States. So I do 
take quite a bit of issue with that. But everything else that he said, I think, was quite fair. He was he wasn't talking about regulating people or anything like that. He was saying, "Think about what you're saying. Think about how you're saying it before you say it," which I think we need to hear a lot more of. Hope you have a great day and. Yeah, this can go on the next episode of Firearms Cafe. Take care. Bye. Hey, Carson from Canada. Thanks for calling in and contributing to the show. Unfortunately, you and I are not going to have a meeting of minds. We're going to have to uh, agree to disagree. I do appreciate you calling in, though. Now, I absolutely believe wholeheartedly that the sheriff is using his... Uh, position of authority and his position of, of being able to be in front of uh, a camera and kind of get his message out. I believe that he is absolutely using his office as a political platform and he was using the, tr- the tragedy that happened and the shooting that happened and the bodies that are laying on the ground to push a certain political agenda. Uh, and one of those agendas is that he is calling for the the regulation and the subjugation of free speech and he is calling for those only for a certain group he's not saying oh everybody should be doing this what his what he means is and what his intentions are is that people on the far right uh, this guy if you look at him if you look up and look at kind of the things that he's supported and what he's come out and saying it really should be no surprise uh, you know he like I said before, I, I didn't know whether or not he was a guy who uh, didn't believe in uh, people's ability to own uh, firearms or have them for self-defense, but he's, he's against a lot of the gun laws. I think he is one of these guys that believes that probably only the, the police, uh, therefore the state, should have uh, firearms. Um, but make no mistake about it. Uh, when he is saying that, oh, this stuff needs to be toned down, he's only talking about one set of people. And he is clearly looking to assign blame. Uh, maybe not, you know, he, he can't blame uh, the people on the far right. He can't say, well, they actually pulled the trigger, but he's pretty much doing every, saying everything else but that. Um, so I think this guy is just reprehensible. Hopefully he won't get reelected uh, the next go around. You know, people can kind of see really kind of his true colors. Now let's talk about kind of the heated debates or the vitriol, whatever you want to call it, that we have in, uh, in politics in this country. First, let me say that I kind of agree. I do agree with you that I would like to see people treated with dignity, with respect. I'd like to see that our uh, political debates and differences, uh, I wish that they could be done in a civil manner uh, without resorting to name calling. And, uh, and this goes for both sides. Uh, however, this is something that we've had in this country for a long time. It's sort of the same over in England. And to say, that it's gotten worse. I don't really think that it has. I mean, if you look back in, in our in our political history, at some of the debates, at some of the language that people used, uh, we look at Andrew Jackson, for example. They actually were calling, out in the papers, were calling his mother a prostitute. They said that he uh, basically was um, uh, 
consorting, uh, quote-unquote, with members who were not of his own race. Uh, they said terrible things about him. Um, if we go even further back, you know, our political leaders actually fought duels. So some could make the, the argument that um, we actually have moved forward, even though there still is a lot of heated debates. Uh, and again, I, I do wish that it was more civil and it was more dignified. Um, but saying that you need to self-censor and that we need to rein in our, our speech or our discourse because of, the, of what others may do, uh, especially people that are imbalanced, I, I don't believe in that at all. The, the answer to, to bad speech or hateful speech or, or mean speech, whatever you want to call it, is not to self-regulate and to self-censor. It's to have more open debate. It's to have more free speech. It's not to, to pull back. And again, that is exactly what this guy, the sheriff, is calling for. Make no mistake about it. Um, again, do a Google search on him. Do some research on him. You'll find out that he is no uh, lover, lover of liberty for the people. Um, now... Again, I hope, don't take this as, as me beating up on you or anything like that because I'm not. Uh, I'm glad you called in. I'm glad you gave your opinion. But like I said, we're just going to have to uh, agree to disagree on a couple of the issues and we can agree on some others. Okay, Carson, thanks so much for calling in. I really appreciate it. Hope to hear from you again. Take care. Now, as time has gone by, we see that our government officials, boy, they are, are going off the deep end and over overreacting and trying to overreach on certain things. And a lot of this overreaction and overreaching, we see that it happened almost immediately following the shooting. You know, as soon as they could rush in and, and do some of this stuff. Um, we saw things like uh, Congressman Jim Claiborne, who is uh, out of South Carolina. He is uh, the third-ranking um, Democrat in the House, in the House, and he said uh, that, "quote We need to rethink the parameters of the First Amendment." Close quote. And again, this guy, when it, when he's saying that, is not talking about the the speech that's going to come from sort of his side. He's talking about the the, the speech that's going to be coming. Uh, you know, we're, we're needing to rethink the parameters of the First Amendment for people on the right, uh, or even people who are libertarians or independents. But we're not going to do that for people on the left. Even though he didn't come out and say that, you know, that's what he's talking about. Um, now, also, what we found out is, it looks like one of his friends, and again, this is this is information that's coming from a friend of his, so I don't know how true it is, but of of the shooter, he said that the guy didn't listen to talk radio, didn't watch the news, he didn't take sides in things, he wasn't a proponent of the left nor of the right, so. Uh, last week I had said that I thought that maybe he had more left-leaning philosophy, so it, it may be that I was incorrect on that. But, And again, this is from uh, a friend of his that knew him in high school. But basically saying, hey, this guy 
was not uh, a right-wing nut job, nor was he a left-wing nut job. He was just basically a nut job. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, there was another guy, kind of getting back to the free speech thing, there was another guy who, and I can't remember, and I, I looked for it and I couldn't find it, but I remember seeing an article where a guy was wanting to introduce legislation where if you used a certain word or a certain symbol in reference to a public official, that again, that would be a crime. Uh, you know, you're almost getting into that Orwellian, uh, you know, the thought police type stuff. Uh, we also see that uh, Republican and Representative Peter King out of New York, uh, who is, I guess he's slated to be the uh, chair of the House of uh, Homeland Security. He is the guy that's wanting to make it a crime to carry uh, a gun within a thousand feet of a public official. Uh, whether he means that to be congressmen and, and senators or, or how far-reaching that would go, uh, I don't know. Um, but clearly, he's wanting it to be uh, set up for, again, public officials, so people in the government, so people other than me and other than you. Now, in regards to this, even a guy like uh, Charles Rangel, who um, is not exactly the, you would not uh, term him a conservative in any way, shape, or form. Uh, when he was asked about this on, and I was watching uh, Freedom Watch with uh, Judge Napolitano, when he was asked about this stuff, about this law, and what he thought about it, he basically was saying that he was against it. And the reason he gave, and I'll quote him here, quote, I would not want people to believe that our lives are any more important than any other person's lives in the community. So even he would be against that. And of course he went on to say that just because somebody is introducing legislation or is going to introduce a bill or introduce something doesn't mean that it's going to make it. Uh, and so a lot of these things I think aren't going to make it. Uh, but again we see it's that mentality of don't let this crisis go to waste. Let's rush stuff through. Let's get things pushed through. And even though even though a guy like Rangel is saying, well, it's probably not going to ever make it into a, into a law, that's not what we should be looking at. What we should be looking at is what these people are proposing. And what they're proposing are attacks on our freedoms, attacks on our fundamental rights and those... In, in particular, our, our right of free speech and our right of self-defense. These things are, are under attack, clearly. Now, I know I keep going back to free speech, but again, this was at, at the, the crux of what people were saying. Because people were saying, uh, and may, mostly on the left, not all, but mostly on the left side of the aisle, people were saying it's because of a certain a certain type of speech that this person went bananas and did what he did uh, when this stuff first came out. Uh, but if we, and again, like I was talking about the, the level of political discourse and stuff in this country and how it goes, if we look at one of the, uh, some of the, the speech that our own representatives have had, if we look at what uh, 
Representative Paul Kanjorski, who's a Democrat uh, from Pennsylvania, in uh, what he said about the now governor uh, of Florida, who I believe is Rick Scott, he said, quote, instead of running for governor of Florida, they ought to have him and shoot him. Put him against the wall and shoot him. He is no hero. He's a damn crook. Now, for most of us, this is probably the first time we've ever heard that quote. And for most of us, it's probably the first time we've ever heard of uh, Representative Paul Jan Korski from Pennsylvania. But imagine if somebody from the right had said that. I guarantee you everybody in America would know that they said that. Uh, but that just went under the radar. Uh, again, because the guy, he's on the uh, on the right side of the media, so to speak. Uh, but ask yourself for one second if somebody like a... Uh, and the people I'm going to give in these examples aren't people I, I'm exactly too fond of myself either. But somebody like Glenn Beck, somebody like Sean Hannity, somebody like Rush Limbaugh, uh, somebody like Sarah Palin. If they had said that, they would have been crucified uh, for saying that stuff. As far as I know, a lot of times the, the, the talk that comes from the right isn't so much things like take this guy out and shoot him. A lot of times what they're saying is we need to get rid of this guy. We need to, and by that they mean we need to vote him out. Uh, a lot of times on the left, though, we see over and over again they, actual, they are actually calling for physical harm to befall the individuals that they don't agree with. You know, oh, I wish he would get hit by a truck. Or, and I can't remember who the wacko who said it. Um, and I think she was some NPR lady or a, a person who was maybe a correspondent for NPR. Basically said of one of the, oh, it may have been of a representative that she wished that his grandchildren would get AIDS. And that would show him. Um... You don't hear that type of talk come from the right. At least I haven't heard it. It doesn't mean it's not out there. It never happened, but I haven't heard it. Uh, and it seems like that the real hardcore vitriol comes more from the left than it does from the right. Now, we also see that things like people are calling for the fairness drop doctrine, excuse me, to come back. And what that would mean for some of you guys who kind of don't know, in a nutshell, and this is simplifying it, is that basically if, and it was more for the right, uh, again, because the left is always fair and balanced, but basically if you were one of these uh, right-leaning or right-wing talk show hosts, a guy like Rush Limbaugh, a guy like Hannity or Glenn Beck or you know whoever, blah, 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 that if they had a three-hour program, half of that program would then have to be uh, given to somebody from the opposite side. Um, and you could, and, and this would go mainly for the media, but if, if it would be okay to do something like that for the media, why wouldn't it be okay to do something like that for my show or for any other show in the Gun Rights Radio Network? Or for any other show that leans left, that is more liberal, that is more, in their own words, progressive. Why then shouldn't uh, a podcast, if, if there's one out there that's anti-gun, why shouldn't they then have to have somebody 
uh, again, not me, somebody who's much more eloquent than me, somebody like Charles Heller of the uh, Arizona Citizens Defense League, who is a, uh, uh, a fantastic speaker, quick on his feet. Why don't they have to be required then to have somebody like him come on their program? Uh, you know, so where, where if that fairness doctrine came through, where does it stop? How do you, and who, and who decides who is actually given both sides of the story and who is not? Um, you know, people, uh, they, they would say, because I talk about guns and self-defense, uh, they, they could make the point, they could say, well, that guy, you know, he advocates uh, mayhem, and he advocates, you know, taking of human life, and uh, that he shouldn't be allowed to say what he wants. And because he does say those things, we need to have somebody who can give a, a different viewpoint and could express those viewpoints on his particular show. Again, you know, we, we can't, free, free speech is not free if it's regulated to the point to where you have to self-censor. It's like this whole political correctness debate. Uh, but, but anyway, um, I'm starting to kind of ramble on. I did want to say kind of one last thing. A lot of times we kind of bash on places like California, places like Massachusetts, but there are people in those states who, who do believe in the Constitution, who do believe in our individual rights and our individual liberties. Uh, and, and one of those guys that I saw uh, that came out and was, and, and was saying things was a guy, um, and I'm not sure exactly, I, I think he may be a, a congressman, uh, Tom McClintock from California. Um, you know he's he's got he's a guy out in California who at least on on the gun issue I don't know a whole lot about him but from the, some of the things that he was saying about the Second Amendment uh, about the ability to protect yourself he's right on the money uh, one of the things that he said about and he was one of the few people that actually mentioned this and uh, I'll give a plug here a quick aside I'll give a plug to uh, Eric's show uh, the Handgun Podcast uh, his last episode he talked about the shooting and he also talked about this gentleman that. Uh, that uh, Tom McClintock, Representative McClintock, talked about. He said that there was a guy that was over in, in Walmart uh, next door, and when he heard the, and he had a gun, and when he heard the shots, he ran towards the gunfire to try and uh, see if he could be of assistance, see if he could help. He got there, found out that the shooter had been subdued, and so it was over. But, again, had the shooter not been taken down by the people there that, that did it, had they not decided they needed to act, uh, at least this individual would have come and uh, quite possibly could have made a difference, could have ended, ended the shooting if, uh, if the shooter had been able to continue. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up for today. Hope you guys have enjoyed the show. I look forward to hearing from you. If you want to contact me again, you can do that a couple of different ways. You can call me on the voicemail. Uh, 206-339-3266. You can leave me an email at uh, firearmscafe at gmail.com or you can go over to the forums at gunrightsradio.com and leave me a comment or a question over under the uh, episode 49 under the Firearms Cafe section. All right, my friends, go ahead, take it easy, stay safe. Uh, be aware of what's going on around you, uh, not only uh, when you're going out, but also politically. Be aware of what your representatives are doing and what they are advocating, supposedly on our behalf. Take care. Oh, 
the devil is given him superhuman strength. 